Hey guys, welcome back to Lash Boss Radio. This is Shelby, your host. And before we get started today, I wanted to mention that I will be speaking at LashCon. If you can hear my cat in the background, I'm so sorry. I will be speaking at LashCon, which is this October 19th through the 21st in Pasadena, California. The speaker lineup is unreal and it isn't just people in our lash industry, which is amazing because if you're a business owner, you should be talking to people that aren't only in our industry. Um, It really makes you open your eyes to things that you may not be thinking of or aware of yet. So I will be there um, speaking a couple of different times. And so I hope to see you there. I will include a link in the show notes so that you can buy your ticket if you haven't already. Um, For today, I'm going to be showing you guys or letting you listen to an interview that I did with Ricky from Copenhagen, Denmark. She owns Lash Bar Copenhagen and also owns and started her own line um, called Aspire by Lash Bar. In this episode, we're going to be talking, of course, about business ownership, um, training, and also something that I really am passionate about, especially after talking to her, um, is trying to move this industry into a more environmentally friendly direction. So it's pretty cool, her outlook on everything and what she does in her own business currently to make an impact um, in that way in our industry. So without further ado, here is episode 49. All right, Ricky, well, welcome to the show. Thank you, Shelby. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, of course. I'm excited to get to know you better and learn about your lash journey. Um, So let's start with that. How did you get started in the industry? Well... Actually, I'm in the last business today because mm-hmm. I lost my job. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, yeah, after more than six years at the same company, I got fired. Um, we were actually more than 300 employees that got fired because of a huge renovation that this mm-hmm. hot- hotel that I was um, working at um, were going through. So they had to shut it down and we were a lot of people that lost our jobs. Uh, and at first, you know, I experienced it as a huge failure, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like most people would do. Um, but um, from failure, sometimes comes success. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and I, I got kind of scared, you know, safety and having a, a, a job um, and an income every month. Yeah. Um, but actually, through my last job at this hotel, um, I, I started noticing eyelash extensions. And we were talking 2008-9, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and then I had my second child. And after that, uh, I think it was in 2010, I actually picked up uh, eyelash extensions as a treatment. Um, so that was... When I first experienced it was at the hotel here in Copenhagen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I worked at a beauty spa at the t- time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very curious because I, I have, you know, a long experience in the beauty business as a makeup artist and as a trained esthetician. So, so I was like, what is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it was actually on the, you know, guests of the hotel. Um, mainly it was some Asians and a few Americans as well, where I saw the, the, the single eyelash extensions for the first time. Wow. So, 
I ended up in the business because I lost my job. And that was the only way I could earn some money, uh, some income, was actually doing lashes in my own basement at home Yeah, uh, when I first lost my job. Um, and I noticed that, um, that the treatment itself on, on foreigners, on, on hotel guests and tourists that I had at the spa where I worked at the hotel back in mm. 2000. Yeah, eight or nine, I think it was. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah, because, you know, a lot of times um, on the show, I, I like to ask people about like, what is a time in your life you, you know, felt like you failed at something and then it ended up yep. turning out good. So that sounds like exactly what that was. That was my failure. Yeah. Um, and I know that, of course, you experience different kinds of failures throughout your life. But this was a failure that, not only was I, you know, scared and I felt like that everything was hopeless and how would I ever uh, get a new job or what was... I had two kids at the time and mm-hmm. a house and a car and, you know, yeah. everything. Even though my husband has his steady jobs, still, it was like a huge failure. So, mm-hmm. but that was actually where I I, I proceeded with with the Argo Eyelash Extensions and, mm-hmm. and I created my own little, you know, um, oasis at home. Yeah. And it turned into a lot of clients. And, you know, at some point, it was kind of irritating for my husband that we had all these, you know, strangers in our house, even though it was like in a room for itself. <laughs> he was just like, I'm glad that it's going good. But I think it's time that you find another location for yeah. all your clients. And mm-hmm. and I was actually, you know, it's even more professional when you have like your own location or a room at a salon or something like that. Right. So that was what I did. Um, I got a room at a skincare clinic. Uh, mostly they did like, you know, Botox and fillers and stuff like that. Um, so I had a room, like I think it was three days a week. Mm-hmm. But I knew uh, after a few months that I had to open up on my own because I had too too many clients, but not enough time. The three days that this um, room I had uh, was available wasn't enough. So I think I got my own location after six months or something. So in early 2012, I opened the first salon in Denmark, only dedicated to last extensions. Wow. And I did some brow styling as well. Yeah. Was it... Um, um, is that the lash bar? Yeah, that's last bar. That's the last bar. <laughs> yeah. Um, and from that, even though I first opened in early 2012, I started um, teaching or training uh, mm-hmm. the method in 2011. So okay. I started with my students before I even had my own location. Wow. But yeah, yeah. Um, but when I opened location, it was very small if it did like two lash beds you know mm-hmm. two spa beds um so ev- every once in a month i think i had like a 
small uh, training class, but I would actually uh, train at a hotel, at a convention room or something like that. Oh, nice. Um, I wouldn't train in, in my own salon. I had a few one-to-one trainings, but suddenly, you know, the interest of the courses that I provided just went crazy uh, in demand. So I started picking up like four or five, six students at a time. Wow. Um, so, and that was in, in 2012. So the first month uh, of May 2012, actually, I have my six year, is it six year anniversary? Yeah, here mm-hmm. this May. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I um, I hired, I had my first staff, uh, my first employee one month after I opened my salon mm-hmm. because I couldn't keep up with the demand. And yeah. 12 hour days are not um, healthy in the in, in long term. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah. And in the same time, in the same period, I was trying to plan our wedding that we had in July. <laughs> God. <laughs> so I was kind of stressed, but happy, mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, so that was how it all started. Um, being the first last salon in Denmark, um, of course, it, it started up, uh, it, it was quite popular. So I did not have enough hands to, to all the clients. I mm-hmm. was not the first bringing this into into Denmark, not at all. And there was, of course, some salons and, you know, beauty clinics that, that offered um, the treatment of, of one-on-one eyelash extensions. But, but even though that I started the first uh, last salon, uh, I know that I think one of the first ladies in the Danish beauty industry that actually brought eyelash extensions to Denmark was way back in 2003. Wow. So I just picked it up like five years later um, mm-hmm. and through my last job. So so it was not like totally new. Yeah. But 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 having a salon that only focused on yes. on that area was very new for, for the Danish um, beauty business. So, yeah. 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 I, I love seeing salons that just focus on one thing, um, even yeah. like blow dry bars. Um, yeah, exactly. I think it's really cool because you know that that's all they're working on all day long. And yeah. I mean, being a jack of all trades, I've said this before, it's, it's great, yeah. but also there's, you know, I think there's so much power and value into like just focusing on one thing and just being really good at that one thing. Yeah. But the funny thing is I actually picked that trend up in, in the States because it's not it's not typical for like Danish beauty parlors or beauty salons um, to have experts mm-hmm. on each area. Wow. Uh, not even in the spas. In the spas when you're hired um, um, as a beauty therapist or spa masseuse um, or even to do wax, facials, etc., Mm-hmm. Uh, the more you actually are training, the better because then you know you have one person and she does it all. <laughs> yeah. Um, but actually, especially in California, where I've been quite a few times, I saw when you went to a day spa, there was a wax 
woman. There was a yeah. brow girl. There was a blow dry girl. And, you know, each and everyone has their um, expert area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that just makes them so much better in doing their job. So yeah. when I first opened, that was also something new. Not that it hasn't been done a little bit before, but not with eyelash extensions. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, I I had I had a lot of work, which was a good thing. The first couple of months. So after four months, I had three employees. That's I awesome. actually hired a new one the first uh, four or five months uh, every month um, when I first opened because the demand was crazy. Um, so that was, uh, that was kind of, that was kind of cool. And I actually was so lucky to have a great network. So many of the more high profiled, uh, persons in the beauty industry in Denmark, the beauty business, or even the fashion, um, business would come to my salon and they would actually, you know, by word of mouth, recommend and that's how we we gain so many you know regular and you know clients so it um it was crazy at that time and we were booked months in advance so that was kind of that's stressful but cool (laughs) yeah that's very good because a lot of times when salons open um it's not uncommon to see it actually fail after like i don't know even in just a year um yeah it's very hard for some people to get clients so that's really good that you guys didn't have that problem um and and i think that you know normally you're actually advised that when you start up um self-employed or you start your your own company you'll have to give it three years because Mm -hmm. you know you always have like this rule that says give give it a year yeah you might not be fully booked and you know have a lot of employees but give it three and if it doesn't work out after that okay maybe it's time to you know move on and do something else um but especially especially with eyelash extensions and i saw at that time a few other you know um salons pop up um a, a few months after um but even crazier, crazier was, was the demand on courses, on the training. Mm-hmm. Because when I first discovered eyelash extensions, there weren't none. Um, not in Scandinavia. Uh, maybe I saw a few tutorials in the UK. Mm-hmm. And I actually went to London. The first lash bar was um, in the Soho part of London called Lash Perfect Lash Bar. And I actually went to a tutorial uh, at their place back in 2011, I think it was. Um, because there wasn't any, you know, schools or academies that was providing eyelash extensions training. Mm-hmm. You could pick it up from a video on the internet or YouTube, or you could contact a brand and they will be like, okay, I'll just send you the products and this is how you use them. There wasn't any, you know, trainer or anything. So mm-hmm. I had to research myself. So taking my experience from, I think I've been a beauty therapist since 1999. So that's a lot of years. Wow. Um, and I've trained, you know, in cosmetology before. 
uh, at a beauty school here in Denmark. So with my knowledge and my curiosity <laughs> and my, you know, my passion for bringing something better to the industry, I actually got a hold of a Korean company that manufactured Alex extensions and, and you know, accessories, products, etc. Um, and I started, you know, making my own material for training. And from one, one month to another, I had a steady, you know, ongoing training class every month. Um, yeah, so by 2013... I opened the first um, academy dedicated to lash treatments, as in eyelash extensions, lash lifts, um, and some brow styling as well. Um, and we are the largest in Scandinavia. So we have actually, since October 2013, we have had students every day every week, all year round. That's awesome. That's really good. What is the biggest problem that you feel like artists come to you to solve? Like when they want to take a training from you, like what do you feel like is some of the biggest mistakes people make? Well, I think, of course, it depends on their experience. Sure. But still, it so depends because not only do we train you know, Danish um, students, Swedish, Norwegian, etc. But you also get um, inquiries from from abroad, and I see that some of them uh, are trained online, mm-hmm. and it's so difficult when it comes to perfecting this craft. To you know, it can be just a small, a, the slightest change in an angle of how you hold your tweezer, or it can be a problem um, with the adhesive and the amount of it, placement, direction, it's all in the detail, as mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, and and even before trainings became like ex- accessible, um, we didn't even think about, you know, the adhesive, the humidity, um, stuff like that, even uh, safety. Uh, sanitation, hygiene, everything. So it depends on which type of student that approaches us. If it's a newbie, you might call it, uh, or if it's an experienced um, last artist that that wants to take their skill to a higher level. Mm-hmm. So, but the the main problem, I guess, is the retention. If they have experience with eyelash extensions, um, and we have for many years, you know try to explain that don't use too much glue make sure there's no stickies and we've been so you know very strict about that and often when we get students they actually use too little food. yeah so yeah. too little amount is also a bad thing because all the extensions will pop off a few days after so i i think that's the the main problem because today it's not about the technique and or their, you know, the hygiene or the sanitation or they know all about that because the training has become so much better. It's actually when you're not 
I'm able to see how they work with the with the adhesive, um, or if they switch from one type of adhesive to another, that there's actually um, different ways of working with the glue. Yeah. I so, agree. so I think that's that's like the the main problem, and and I would say the more like loose topics, it's like um, eye design. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a new one that actually took a huge step. I think it was back in 2016. So from yeah, the last three years, the eyelash eye design has become a huge thing. If yeah. you wanna, you know, if you wanna be better than the average lash stylist, you have to be able to create the individual design for each client. Yeah. So when technique and everything is spot on, um, I'd say that that you really have to, you know, if you really want to be brilliant, it's uh, it's not only the technique and how to make good retention and, you know, make good customer service, make a good salesperson, except it's actually being able to create um, the perfect set um, and the perfect style for the individual client. Actually, one of my my mentors, Irina Devchuk, she told me she was the one I took volume class from uh, way back. Mm-hmm. She said, you are not designing eyelashes. You are designing whole face. Yeah. So I actually, you know, wanted to to step it up as well. So at my academy, we also have three levels of eye design. So it doesn't matter if you're classic trained, volume trained, you have eye design level one, two, and three. And we also have, of course, some basic eye design in our basic classes or mm-hmm. foundation classes. But this is like when you have a little more skill and you have the extra, you know, um, when you're just more ready to take in some advanced, more difficult, advanced classes. Yeah. 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 I love that. Yeah. So obviously, you know, we've been talking about how much the industry has changed so much and how much more is available. Um, where do you want to see the industry go next? Like, what do you think that we should focus on more now? Yeah. Well, first, when I started out as a lash stylist, I really wanted to take you know, the applications uh, to a higher level, um, making sure the clients got, you know, safe eyelash extensions. Mm-hmm. And when it became popular, you know, and, and the courses and, and the classes got more popular and, and on demand, I really wanted to make the trainings better. And while I was training, I did a lot of research on the products. I've even been to Vietnam a couple of times um, just to see how the lashes are manufactured. So uh, the the past couple of years, I also have a distribution company. Yeah, it's Aspire, so, right? Yeah, um, my own brand is Aspire by Last Bar, um, but I also, you know, I also distribute. Grand Corp, um, Bio Lashes, I have like Chrysanthi. I have a lot of different kinds of brands in my mm-hmm. web shop uh, here in Scandinavia. Um, so once I started the salon and then I created my other company, Lash Park uh, Academy, and on top of that, my distribution company um, and my own brand, 
I really wanted to see that how can we aim for better sustainability in, in our business. We have gone through an amazing development, not only in you know how we do our less extensions, how we do the trainings, but also in how the different types of products are manufactured and where are they manufactured and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. how do we as lash stylists, I haven't been doing lashes myself on clients since 2016. Now I'm only like the CEO of my companies. But still, uh, when I develop products, how do we as brand owners, distributors, um, manufacturers, how, how can we make a better sustainability in, in the lash business. Um, we all know that we are huge, huge consumers of, of these plastic containers for eyelash extensions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one thing. Uh, another thing is that I see one part of the industry developing in the right direc- direction you see, um, you know, containers produced from cardboard and paper. Mm-hmm. We need to take it a step further. So it's recycled cardboard or paper. That would be right. perfect instead of plastic. Um, but I also see um, another development because right now there's a trend for eyelash uh, extensions on, for example, aluminum strips. Mm-hmm. Because normally, you know, the extensions are on paper strips and you remove them from your tray and you place them onto your palette or, you know, your workstation or how you, how you do your lashes. Um, and these aloe strips, yes, it's convenient and it's practical and you don't have to, you know, there's not, there's not any sticker left on, on your palette and stuff like that. But it takes a few minutes um, to get it off. And these aloe strips, they will never degrade. They will never degrade. It will be thrown out through the trash, but only if it it gets burned, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So, yes, it's easy for a stylist, less artist, but if you want to take it, you know, a step in the right direction for better sustainability, we, we have to demand that the brand owners and the manufacturers actually think that way too so it's not they they don't have to produce a lot of things for you know the convenience of the lash stylist Mm -hmm. but for the better of our planet our planet and our nature so just a a a small idea if you're you know irritated by some sticker that is left on your palette well you can get these um silicone work pads um you can actually you know cut the work pad into the shape of your lash palette so it fits. And these uh, paper strips with your lashes on are easy to remove and take off. And the silicone work pad is reusable. So you can easily clean it and you can use it again and again and again. And that's much more sustainable mm-hmm. than, you know, the aloe strips that you just keep on, you know, throwing into the trash. Right. It's the same with uh, lash lift or lash lifting, lash lamination. Um, we have had these um, aluminum satchels where you get like um, 
extra fresh uh, and top active product each time. But these little satchels, they don't degrade in nature as well. So it's better to have larger containers and then make sure it's airless containers. So the product inside actually keeps longer. Um, so there's a few things that we can actually demand from our distributors or the brand owners and, and the manufacturers. Um, we could actually have plastic containers made from recycled plastic, for mm-hmm. example. How many containers haven't you thrown out? I know you can reuse them for a few things, but not all of them. Right. Um, and I've started, um, that's just for my company, that everyone that buys um, lashes in plastic containers from our company, they can actually return the plastic containers and they'll get a discount code um, to use on the webshop, That's and we will make sure we will make sure that all the plastic containers get recycled. Yeah, I love that idea. That's a great idea. So that's like that's that's like the first step. The mm-hmm. second step would be that you know that most um, eyelash extensions are made from this PVT material, mm-hmm. nylon. It's a kind of plastic as well. Um, it's the same, you know, it's the same bristles as, you know, you use for toothbrushes. Yeah. And actually, you can get biodegradable uh, toothbrushes today. Not only are the bristles made of, you know, 100% bio, they are 100% bio source, but, but the whole handle, you say toothbrush handle <laughs> in English, is uh, bio source as well, or even manufactured just in recycled plastic. Uh, and if that's possible, well, it doesn't take, you know, a great scientist. Um, <laughs> the, the idea of making eyelash extensions that has fibers that are biodegradable is not that far away. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, contacted, I've contacted a French company that actually do produce these fibers. But to make the connection from one company to a manufacturer in Korea or one of the Asian countries that actually manufacture uh, the PVT fibers, um, I mentioned Korea because they make some of the best um, PVT fibers in the world. Um, mm-hmm. That would be my goal. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. I, of course, I have a goal of making less accessories more sustainable, but I would really like to be able to, you know, to push uh, the manufacturers as well to do yeah. even better because yeah. I know the technology is there. Mm-hmm. Um, I am not sure of the, how can you say it? I'm not sure of, of, of how much it, it costs, um, but it's definitely, it's, it's possible. Um, I have a toothbrush right now that, you know, the polyamides, they are, you know, derived from, you know, it's called renewable feedstock from castor oil or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so I know when I, if I wanted to, tr- to throw it in the trash, it's not polluting our planning, planet the same way that plastic does. Mm-hmm. And have you ever wondered... Where does the eyelash extensions go when they fall off your lashes? Yeah. 
they actually most of them I met like a to start with it was it was most mostly for for a little bit of fun but also to see what what the different kinds of clients and you know lash artists that have eyelash extensions themselves what they would answer but most of them actually uh, ends up in the sea because of the water when you rinse your lashes uh, during taking baths or in front of the sink at night or in the morning. Um, yes, there will be a few that you may, might vacuum up into the, you know, when you clean your floor, mm-hmm. but most of them goes down the drain with the water. And they're so fine and small that there will be a lot that will end up in the sea as well. Yeah, that's something that I've never really thought about until you just said that. I thought so. <laughs> so that's. An, I hope that that this interview maybe um, will get the you know the minds of of yes. all the lash artists listening um, aware of how we how we are trying to make you know earth a better place. Yes, or new stylists to come with our daughters. And actually trying to keep the nature clean. Yeah, there is a it's a huge, huge, you know, problem. So there, there was a woman um, that designed a plastic that's biodegradable, and it looks just like plastic. It acts just like yeah. plastic, and it dissolves yeah. in water. And I, yeah, so um, it's great that you're kind of thinking about that more about our industry. And I honestly yeah. do see that it can change and um, it's just so much easier for people to not think about it and not um, like just think that it's just too big of a problem or it's just easier to buy from the manufacturers now just the way that they're doing it. But yeah, there's a way. Until, you know, until we, we start, you know, you know, we, it's, it's starting to buzz. Um, you know, eco-friendly packaging, if you're like a distributor, that's a good thing. Yeah. Making sure that that we are aware that, you know, plastic is a problem. Plastic mm-hmm. waste is a huge problem. And yes, it's not just the average plastic, plastic bags, plastic bottles, etc. It's our industry as well. Yeah. The last industry. So... I hope that it will get, you know, a few studies thinking that maybe if not one email goes to their, you know, the brand that they buy their lashes from, but maybe multiple. And then the brand and the manufacturers will actually start picking up the vibe. And, you know, that will, maybe it will lead to a a, a better sustainability uh, in the future. I really hope so. I because agree. we are, yeah, we are, we are kind of strict in Scandinavia. Um, mm. It's not only you know, it's not only sanitation and hygiene, um, and how to you know uh, make sure that we actually get away when we throw just a empty bottle of adhesive in our trash. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to actually neutralize it first. Um, because if the bottle opens and there's like just a little bit of, of adhesive of glue left in the bottle, you know, if it gets into 
contact with cotton mm-hmm. or paper, it, it, will, it can create heat and it could create a fire. So we're not, we're not there yet with everyone doing it, but we really want people to know how to take care of the chemical waste correctly, but also to work more sustainable as well. Yeah, we have a girl here in the States that uh, set up a program called Lash With Purpose. And she's uh, basically trying to gather all the adhesive bottles, the plastic tray, everything, even tweezers. And she's trying to um, figure out ways to dispose of them properly or or she already has ways to do so. And so I think that's smart because if you don't... Or reuse it to something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because if you don't know how to dispose of it, then it's better to send it to someone who does. No, exactly, exactly. Um, and, you know, even though often, as you just said, it could seem like a big mouthful, well, you know, one step is one step. Even though yeah. you're the one trying to make a difference, uh, it will at some point help and maybe yeah. others will join. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's that's one of my, you know... It's just as simple as putting a little box in your break room and all of the staff, like when they're done with the lash tray or a bottle of adhesive or whatever, they drop their tweezers, just put it in that box and send it to someone that knows where it goes, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Um, that's what we are starting to do with with all of the plastic. Uh, I thought about the tweezers as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, because it is possible to melt, even if yes. we contacted the manufacturers, if we could use, I, I know it's far out thinking about a recycling system like we have with bottles and stuff like that. But, you know, maybe in the future, it's actually possible to send back. Yeah. Uh, of course, we have to think about the costs of sending, you know, tweezers back to wherever it, it's manufactured or even just sending it back to, um, to, to, the, to the brand, to the distributor um, would be a huge difference. So I hope it's nice to hear that, I, that there is someone. I need to go check her out. You'll have to send me her Instagram or something. Yes, I will. <laughs> um, in the States, but we have to have a m- movement like that in, in Europe as well. Definitely. Yeah. Um, well, awesome. Like, I feel like, um, that was a really great topic. It's never been talked about really other than the last of purpose we've talked about, but I really love, um, everything that you talked about. And um, I always ask everyone if they have a motto, do you have like a favorite quote or just something, um, that you live by? Yeah, I have like, uh, three small words. And it's um, just do it. Ooh, I'm wearing a shirt that says that right now. Really? Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, that I know someone say, oh, that's just from the Nike. <laughs> no, just do it is actually, you know, life balance, goal setting is one thing, but actually being an entrepreneur or even jumping into the less artistry, you know, world and being your own boss. You'll never know where you can end. Mm-hmm. Uh, you never know how it will turn out, out if you don't just do it, you know? Love so I, I have those three small words, but they mean a lot to me, even though you have experienced use failure. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't be a little bit brave and then just do it. Or you regret it, you know, later yeah. in life. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode and any relevant links will be in the show notes as always. Um, I did want to mention that episode 50 is going to be a little bit different. It will not be an interview. If you have heard some of my milestone episodes in the past, it will be sort of like that. So I'm excited to bring that to you. It'll be in your ears by next week. So until then, I hope you have a great week and I will talk to you soon.